C-A-M-P-A-D-U-L-T-H-O-O-D Camp Adulthood Bridging the Millennial Divide One conversation at a time Interviewing guests Strangers and friends We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood Hello and welcome to Camp Adulthood. I'm Camp Adulthood, Shay Keats. And I'm the resident youth, Maddie Yergi. And this is a Maddie and Shay Friendship Fun Podcast. Everyone's favorite. Everyone's favorite. And that is true because both of our number one fans have told us that this is the best. Oh, really? David and your dad? Well, my dad for sure. And now that I said David did as well, I am not 100% sure if that's true. But uh, we'll see. We'll have David... uh, correct me if, Confirm, I'm, yeah. if I'm wrong in his Confirm. eventual episode yes oh that's true my, David <laughs> did you know you're coming on the podcast in I can always July? cut that out if he didn't know I but don't think you did it's no, fine <laughs> I'm sure he'll he'll be agreeable um yes. yay very exciting well before we dig into anything else we got a piece of fan mail from one of our number mm-hmm. one fans Michael former guest of the pod thank you for writing mm-hmm. in um Shay would you like to read the email for everyone <laughs> yes I would here we go Subject, Boomer Jokes. Message, Dear Camp Adulthood, Whenever my coworker Steve walks by my desk, he'll say, Hey, Michael, you working hard or hardly working? What can we do to officially retire that joke before I punch Steve in the face? Michael. Um, work in an office with less, like, 60-year-olds? Boomers. Like, I don't know, yeah. I don't even think that's a boomer joke, to be honest. I think it's more just like a bad dad joke, which definitely millennials do that, too. So mm-hmm. I don't want to stereotype totally for Steve or yeah. that joke. But yeah. if it's the joke yourself that's bothering you, just work with less like lamos. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Get a better job. That's our advice. Yeah. This is why we're not an advice podcast. No. All my advice would just be like, don't be stupid. They talked about this on Guys We Fucked one time because they were like, literally, yeah. all the advice we give is like, just listen to the email that you sent read it out loud to yourself and then just be like don't do something stupid that's it exactly not that exactly. working i mean obviously we're like i'm not trying to shit on michael right now but we love you, you know michael. just make it also maybe just you know don't be rude to steve but maybe just make it known to him in like a polite way that you don't want him stopping by your desk mm-hmm. like just kind of close yourself off from that energy somehow i don't know mm-hmm. I think that sounds good. Do some body and, language. And Michael, to give you credit, I do understand why that particular joke is a bit um, insulting. I it's also one of my least yeah, favorites. But you're like, I'm clearly at work working. Yeah, yeah, clearly I'm not fucking around here. So totally amazing. Yeah. Um, well, Shay, do you have a millennial moment for us? Um, yes, actually, uh, and it's it's also in relation to Michael, uh, and I think he'll be excited to know that due to his discussion of Facebook official relationships, uh, David and I have finally <gasps> made our relationship Facebook official. As of like but two I, seconds ago, how have I not seen this? Did you hide it from the timeline? Not, I did not put it on my timeline, which has nothing to do with David, but it has to do because he is lovely, and I'm because very you have proud crazy people have like me as my consort. Exactly, because there are crazy people like you who are going to make one majillion comments that then I'm going to have to reply to and be like, thank you, thank you. Yes, I know he's so cute. He's so great, blah, blah, blah. Well, so even though all of those things are true, 
David, I love you. Um, this is a true... I did not want it to be in the timeline. Yes. I have a couple responses so, to this. Michael One, too. since that episode, Michael, too, is in a Facebook official relationship with the girl that oh, he alluded Michael. to. Yeah. yeah. And... It was on his timeline. I commented on it. As of the last time I looked at it, I was the only one that commented on it, which is kind of weird. And yeah. Michael didn't respond, but that's fine. Um, but I commented because I was like, oh, my God, Facebook official, the podcast. Because it was funny. Um, but I'm glad that you have turned to the Facebook official relationship because, A, I think it's a good way to let a bunch of people know so you don't have to have, like, individual conversations with anyone. And, B, like... I'm surprised because I felt like during the discussion with Michael, you were kind of anti-Facebook official relationship. Maybe not anti, but maybe not just like so into it as much as Michael was. Exactly. Well, this is my first Facebook official relationship um, because I just, you know, I think I just, I think, here's the thing. I think I'm just a much more private person than I've ever given myself credit for. And as much as I love talking about myself, And I love, again, having this semi-public persona from the podcast and, you know, my work and various things. I also just, I don't like to give people free reign to comment on my life, even if they're saying, like, super nice and lovely things. Um, It's also, like, why I don't, like, I don't tend to post, like, happy birthday picture of like me and my brother or whatever because I just I don't know it's like when it comes to my like personal like family and friends I just tend to not I'm also very inconsistent with a lot of stuff on social media so that's why I think I also avoid um posting a lot of stuff because like this you know it feels like this is a thing that's gonna be around so I'm ready to lean in but like I don't tend to post a lot because like, what if I posted happy birthday, Maddie, but then I didn't post happy birthday, producer Jenny, yeah. and then J- producer Jenny's feelings got hurt. And then I would feel really bad. But it's not because I don't love producer Jenny. No. It's just because I suck. Yeah, no, it's totally exhausting. And quite frankly, I have like no tolerance for that, which I think we've talked about on this podcast before. Like, my friends know who they are, and they know that I care about them. So like, if you're like insecure enough to get offended by that then like that's a problem for you that's not my problem but yeah secondly I I totally agree with you because I I too am in a Facebook official relationship but I feel like there's a sense I think it's a double-edged sword right because like I said before I think social media is great for kind of like you know you want people to know because I do think it's awkward like if you come across someone who you haven't seen in a few years and they're like oh my god Shay you're in Portland I live in Portland I want to set you up on a date with so-and-so and And then you have to have the Mm -hmm. awkward conversation of like oh well now I'm in like uh yeah I'm living with my boyfriend or whatever you know you have to have that conversation and it's fine but if that is like continuously happening it's easier just to be like I'm in a relationship you don't get to know any of the details but like it just kind of tempers that so I think for that it's useful but um it does breed like a sense of entitlement. Like I was having dinner with a friend who was in in from out of town and she was like, Oh, like how's Corey? And I was like, Oh, he's good. And I was like flipping through my phone, like showing her pictures of like Mm -hmm. our trip to Hawaii and stuff. And she was like, Oh my God, I wish you put these on Facebook because I would have really liked to see them. And like, I don't get to keep up with you as much. And like, there was kind of a sense of entitlement there that like she was entitled to like see these photos and I was like mm-hmm. no like I'll show them no. to you but at the same time I'm like there's nothing about the photos that I wouldn't want her to see and like I would want her to be a part of that but at the same time yeah. I'm not going to individually 
text or send these photos to like every individual person in my life that would take too much time so i think there is a use for the social media mm-hmm. facebook official well, relationship and it but it, it can breed that sense exactly of and that's the thing too where i was like i'm totally fine if you go to my profile with it saying that but i just didn't want it on my you didn't timeline. want it to be a whole thing and like to draw attention I didn't to want yourself it to be a whole thing exactly because i don't like to draw attention to myself you know especially because i feel like and in I'm some ways an it is a little to... like juvenile i almost yeah. want to say not yeah. like having a Facebook, it isn't juvenile, but it's like, yeah. it's, you know, it's almost well, akin also, to like you're drawing on your notebook, like Shay exactly. and David forever. Yeah. And then everyone gets to like, be like, congratulations. It's just very like middle school to me, but yeah. that's also human well, nature. So it's fine. And I think it's too, like, I just want to be cognizant at, you know, almost 34 years of age. Like I have some friends who are not in relationships and, I, you know, I was kind of one of the last ones standing to not be in a serious relationship but there are still a few left and I know it's like you know there's so many babies and weddings and -and so-and-so's in a relationship that it 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 gets a little exhausting and I didn't want to be one more thing to kind of like you know yeah be under their thumb but I also want to tell a funny addendum to the David and I our Facebook official relationship story um so we actually so we actually talked about doing this like two months ago maybe even more months ago maybe like right after the first of the year and we were out eating ramen and David was like looked at me with this like really serious look on his face and he was like I have to talk to you about something and I was like fuck me because I was like you're gonna fucking break up with me right here in the middle of the ramen shop and then I'm never gonna be like ramen this is like what's going through my head and I'm just like "Mm mm-hmm and he's like and I was like oh my god it's coming and then he's like so I really think we should make it Facebook official. And I was like, oh, my God. Nerd alert. Because <laughs> I – no, because I really thought I was like, he's going to break up with me. But, no, he just wanted to broadcast our love to the world. But yeah. then we're both kind of lazy. David has a very serious demeanor, get, like, so I could see how that months. would be. Yeah. yeah. So, David, I hope you don't mind me sharing this story. I'll run it by oh, you. it's fine. But, uh, I mean, this is yeah. all nice, enjoyable stuff. I mean, my I boyfriend said that my vagina is warm and inviting on this podcast. So if David <laughs> takes offense, I'm going to be personally offended. No, I'm just kidding. Um, sit that part. But yeah, no, I think that's an excellent uh, millennial moment. Congratulations. Um, yeah, thank you. Mine is not as exciting um, as that. This happened to me today. I originally had a different millennial moment that was like, whatever, it was kind of run of the mill. But this happened to me today and I just wanted to like put it out there because it just like truly bothered me like this whole interaction so I'll tell you the story I got my nails done so I'm going on vacation and Mm -hmm. I went to this place I've been there a number of times before but like it's been a while it's probably been like six or eight months since I've been there and I went and I go up to the counter and you know this happens at a lot of places especially in New York like they have you pay before they like actually paint your nails so that Mm -hmm. you don't like ruin the polish so, like, she's doing my nails, you know, she's filing. She's like, do you want to pay before? And I was like, oh, yeah, totally. So I give her my card. I pay for it. She comes back. I forgot that this place was, like, a cash-only tip place. Like, you could pay for mm-hmm. the thing on the card, but you couldn't do the tip. So she was, like, tipping cash. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, I definitely have, like, some cash in mm-hmm. my purse, but I don't, like, know where it is. And I, like, didn't have a lot. So I was like, whatever, I'll deal with this later. I'll, like, do it before I walk out. And also, I don't think it's bad to, like wait to tip until after the service yeah that's just like one thing so i paid for the thing and she didn't really say anything and then she like walked me over to the like the drying thing after and she was like you should really tip at the same time that you pay and i was like oh i you know i just 
I didn't really want to like slow down the process by like rummaging through my purse and whatnot. And yeah. I was like, oh, no, I knew that it was cash only. I, I'm planning on doing it at the end, like, after the service is over. And she was like, okay, it's easier for me if you do it all at the same time. So next time you come in, just do it all at once. And I was like, okay, it's fine. Like, whatever. It's kind of weird. Yeah. And so I like to sit there and take a really long time when I'm drying my nails, especially if I'm traveling, because I don't want to get, like, the little dents in them and stuff. And so, like, every – I'm sitting there. Like, two minutes later, she comes back, and she, like, taps on it, and she's like, it's dry. And I touched it. It was not dry. And I was like, I'm going to keep sitting here. And then she came back, yeah. like, literally, probably a minute later. And she tapped it again. And then she put, like, the dry spray on it. And she was like, it's dry. Meanwhile, I had only been sitting there for maybe three or four minutes total at this <gasps> point. Not yeah. enough time for them to dry. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I'm trying to not make it weird. And so I was like, well, I'm, you know, going to be traveling and packing and stuff. I want to make sure it's, like, extra, extra dry. dry. Yeah. So she comes back a minute later. And she was like, it's dry. And I was like, it's dried on the top, but if I push this against something, it's going to have a dent. And that will drive mm-hmm. me insane. Yeah. And I paid for this. I mean, I didn't say all this to her, but I was like, you know, thinking to myself, I'm like, I paid for this. I'm just sitting in this chair. Meanwhile, there's not a backup for people waiting to use the drying yeah. machine. There's yeah. nothing happening. Everyone's chill. Whatever. So I'm like, please stop. She came up to me three times and I was like, I will let you know when I think it's dry. Yeah. Right. So she comes up to me a minute later and she's like, we need this drying machine. Meanwhile, there's no one waiting to use the machine. There's like one lady getting a pedicure who doesn't even need the same hand machine that I'm using. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, fine. At this point, I had been drying them for maybe 10 minutes, which is still not enough time in my mind. But I was like, whatever, this lady like clearly wants me to get out of here. And she like stood next to me, clearly like hovering, waiting for me to tip her, which I was like, whatever. Yeah. And I pull, I had enough money, like enough cash. All the cash I had on me was like 10%, which is a little bit lower than what I would have tipped. But at the same time, she was still being like super annoying. So I was like, you know, at this point, I don't feel bad. Like I felt Mm -hmm. a little bad, but I was like, A, you know. You've ruined this experience. You've ruined this experience. And it's also like, I'm sorry. Like I forgot that it was tipping cash and I would have liked mm-hmm. to do 15 or 20%, but like you win some and you lose some, you know, I don't think it yeah. makes me a horrible person. And so I gave her the tip and she like, she like snatched it out of my hand and like counted it right in front of me. Meanwhile, I'm like turning to leave. I was like, thank you. Bye. And she like ran in front of me, blocking me from leaving. And she was like, this is not enough. And I was like, <gasps> excuse me. And so now everyone she said it very loudly and everyone is now like looking at me in the salon like all the workers all the other ladies that are getting their nails done and I was like I'm sorry that's like 10 percent, which you know in some places actually is like customary yeah I didn't say that but I was like you know I gave you something and I was like that's literally all the cash I have on me so like yeah next time I'm definitely you know after this experience gonna remember to like be more Proactive. definitely gonna remember not to go back there right and so she stood there and she was like this is not enough and i'm and again i told her i was like that's all the cash i have on me i'm really sorry and she was like you should tip at least 15 to 20 percent and i was like yes i know like of course but i was like a you know it's it's something all those places they always tell you like you know it's not expected but it's nice if you do it and Of course, I wouldn't give nothing, but I didn't think that it was, like, exceptional service. And also, I was, like, in a bind where it's, like, 
you're not going to be happy if I like leave, go to an ATM, come back. Like no one's going to be happy with that. And I paid full price for the service that I asked for. So like, I don't know, it was just shitty. Like I definitely felt bad for like under tipping her, but I also think she was being super pushy and she made a scene and I was like, I'm sorry. And I just left. And like Mm -hmm. you were saying, like the end result of that, I'm never going to go back to that salon again. Like she lost a customer. So yeah. How is that helping anyone? Like it was just like, yeah, I think I, sorry. I'm so sorry that happened to you. First of all, like that sucks and yeah. I just like so... couldn't believe it I was like you're literally stalking me making me leave before my nails are dry yeah. making it yeah. uncomfortable so that I'm like all right I have to get out of here and then I literally gave you all of the cash in my wallet and it equaled 10% mm-hmm. of the services which for a lot of you know those types of like beauty services is like fine and mm-hmm. I think it's fine to reserve like the full 20% if it was like you know on par or like exceptional service but like I didn't feel like this was mm-hmm. and there was no good solution and I put myself in that position but like I couldn't think of a way to fix it and I feel like if you're in those industries it's like you win some and you lose some I'm sorry yeah I mean and of course we can have the whole discussion about how all the like nail people in New York are slaves but but I went to this was a hotel spa it was like a fancy it wasn't like a Chinatown like cheapy one it was like in a hotel spa so then that's I would have asked to see the manager then like if it was in a hotel spa I would like I would if I were you but I'm also this is this is my thing is like I work really hard and I don't give myself a lot of luxuries. So when I do, I you know, I don't expect if yeah. someone gives really good service, I tip above and beyond. But I think especially in New York, there's this culture of you tip a minimum of 20 percent for anything, even if like the waiter literally spits in your food or this woman gets in your face and yells at you that you're still expected to tip 20 percent. And I don't think and this is like a bigger conversation about what's wrong with tipping culture and this is why you don't have these kind of service issues in Europe because they're you know their uh, people are being properly compensated so you don't have to have this whole you know right. tip economy it's just awkward uh, and everyone hates it yeah so it's like I'm sure you would have rather just paid ten dollars more for the service well, and exactly. then be able to and go on like, your merry way again I totally get like why places don't let you tip on the card but like if she had let me tip on the card I totally would have done like the full amount yeah. and you know, there just, like, wasn't an option. I'm like, what do you want me to do? Like, leave and go to a bank and come back? Like, I'm not going to do that. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. if I had come in and I was like, oh, shit, it's cash only. I can't pay the full price for the service. I would have left up front because yeah. I'm not an idiot. But, like, I paid for the service and I totally agree. And it was also the fact that she was like, you have to tip before the service is done. I was like, nowhere does it say that. And I could see in the rest of the salon, like, no one else was getting that same treatment. Like, other people mm-hmm. were paying and tipping after their service based on you know, what they felt comfortable with. Like, some people aren't comfortable doing it. Some people would rather Mm -hmm. do it up front, you know? It was just, like, annoying, and I totally agree. Like, I, if the tip, I think the, you know, meaning behind the tip would mean more if it was based on the service and not, like, Mm -hmm. an additional income. And the fact that you're relying on your customers to, you know, pad the income of your employee, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm not the one at, at fault here. It's the establishments. Yeah. So that's what I yeah. have a problem with. And it definitely is more pervasive in New York compared to even like if I had done that back home, like I definitely have gone to nail salons where it was like just OK or like subpar service. And I would give them just 10 to 15 percent as opposed to like 20, you know, mm-hmm. and I was even yeah. talking to someone who's from California and she was like, I would never give more than 10 percent at a nail salon like someone just the other day outside of this mm-hmm. incident. So it totally depends on where you are. 
And it's yeah. just, like, is rude to cause a scene. I don't even care. Like, if I was, like, the shittiest customer, if you're the person that works there, like, you don't cause a scene in front of the other customers. You yeah. Know? Like, that's yeah. just poor manners, I think. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I so agree anyways, with that. I'm I just... think it's complicated. Yeah. I don't know. I just hate stuff like that because it makes, I, I know for me, it, like, makes me feel almost, like, queasy for the rest of the day. Like... Yeah, it just made me I feel bad because like I was like, well, now this woman thinks that I'm, like, a bitch and now I I never want to go there because what if she sees me and she remembers me and she's like, that girl only tipped me 10% and it's like, you know, yeah. and then it's an awkward experience forever. Like, I'm never going to go back there again. And it's, mm-hmm. like, a perfectly acceptable yeah. place, so... I don't know. I just felt uncomfortable about it. So if any of our listeners, like, have anything to say, I would love to, like, learn more about tipping culture. Or if someone has experience, like, working in a salon and – or if people think that I'm completely off base, like, I would love to hear about it. Like, you know, maybe people think, like, as soon as I found out that I couldn't give the full tip because of – I didn't have enough cash, like, I should have left or I should have gone to the bank or whatever. Like, maybe that's – maybe I'm the one that fucked up. But yeah, I think – there's a happy medium that could have been met that this woman just blew it out of the water. So mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, anywho, do you have a hot topic for us? Um, well, I think I kind of want to talk a little bit about uh, both the royal wedding <gasps> yes. and new uh, baby Louie as well. Baby Louie. Who is baby Louie? Uh uh, Kate and William's newest oh, baby. Okay, I knew that there was a baby. I didn't know its name offhand. Yeah. I'm not sure if they're calling him Louis or Louis, but I'm going with Louis because it's more adorable. Yes, I love that. Um, so. I guess we can talk about the baby first because I don't really know so much about this baby, but the other well kids oh, sorry, were on. like super cute at the wedding. So I know they more about so them. But cute. I feel like the uh, baby kind like... of got overshone by the wedding. Maybe that's true. Well, he's like the third. He's not really that important. Yeah. But um, the reason why I wanted to mention him is because I'm obviously a bit of an Anglophile and um, I think it's really interesting. So his birth was um, a really historic moment because he did not um, – what is the word? Secede, proceed. Uh, but his birth did not knock Charlotte, Princess Charlotte, out of her – you know, space in the hierarchy of who becomes king or queen next. So it's, and that's the first time in history that that's happened because there was a parliamentary ruling in 2013 that said uh, the, yes, the seed was the right word. The uh, sixth line of succession goes in birth order and has nothing to do with gender. So it's like, it was kind of a big deal for feminism and for the monarchy. So uh, sorry, Louis, that you are probably never going to be king. Uh, but I thought that was pretty awesome that Charlotte got to keep her place in line. Yeah, that is super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So and the royal wedding, I had a lot of stuff going on. So I did not get to watch as much as I wanted. Oh, but I got up at five I o'clock in the morning and watched it, it live because I'm a crazy person. Yeah. I did for Will and Kate. It was amazing. So, yeah, no, um, I loved it. Um, obviously, shout out Meghan Markle. She's Kappa. Yep. People did woo, not woo. know. Um, no, I thought it was great. I definitely there were aspects of Kate and Williams that I liked better, and there were aspects of this one that I liked better. Um, yeah. I think you can definitely tell, and I don't want to like judge everyone's relationships but I think Megan and Harry are a little bit more demonstrative with how much they like each other and it was very you know I definitely felt more connected to their love story than Kate and William um Uh Kate's dress was better although 
the hate Clearly. of Megan's dress is undeserved. I thought it was still very beautiful, very classy. Yeah. Why are people hating on it? I do think that it wasn't tailored quite as well as it could have been. Like, it was kind of the way, like, she was sitting. Like, I don't think they took into account so much, like, that she would be sitting and standing and sitting and standing. And it got a little, like, wrinkly and oh, yeah. bulky. Um, and I think it's really hard. Like, that material is kind of stiff. So it didn't, mm-hmm. like... I just thought it move as well. Could have, yeah, yeah. But that's the only thing. But I think like in pictures, it's beautiful. I loved the veil. Um, mm, the veil was great. That was great. I definitely liked the way they incorporated her kind of background into the ceremony, and yeah. I thought that was great. I will say, like the pastor who gave the sermon, the guy from Chicago, mm-hmm. I appreciated it, and I thought it was good. I thought it was about fifteen minutes too long. I will say. Um, yeah. I thought it was a little repetitive, and I know, you know, it might be an unpopular opinion. People are, like, loving that, and it's great, and I think mm-hmm. it overall is great, but in the grand scheme of the ceremony, I think it was a little bit too long and maybe tonally not the best yeah. for, like, that environment. I thought the um, Stand By Me choir was, like, one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. It was yeah. so great. Um, Very good. That was awesome. The cellist, the 19-year-old cellist was awesome. African-American gentleman, really great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just thought it was awesome. I thought it was weird that Harry had a best man, but Megan didn't have any attendance. Attendance, yeah. Which I was like, all right. Well, I wonder if that might be, and I don't know enough about this, but it would be interesting to look into if because they really only want you to have that attendant if it's a sibling. You know, oh, because maybe. it was like, you Kate know, he didn't had have William. any attendance. It was but the same. Pippa, for... Oh, that's true. Remember? That yeah. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. I also thought it was interesting, too, that like Megan's mom came alone, which I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know if yeah. that was just her preference or. Yeah. Because if I was in that situation, I would at least want a friend. You know, even if there's yeah. no one else in the family that's going, like, invite a, cl- like, just being alone in that environment has got to be so intimidating, and she did it yeah. so well, but I just thought that was, like, a little strange, and I don't know if that was mm-hmm. Megan's doing, or if that was, you know, like you were saying, you know, the focus being on the family and the fact that her family mm-hmm. is, like, so crazy. Yeah. Um but I don't know. I thought it was really lovely. It was nice that it was in Windsor. I've been to Windsor. It's lovely. Windsor is a very cool place. Yeah. Um, um, it was a little different from, you know, not being in London. I thought it was kind of nice to, you know, change of venue. I thought the carriage ride was like totally ridiculous, but like super fun. <laughs> I mean, I it was think like very over the top, but I love it. What's like so awesome about the modern monarchy in Britain is that they're able to like embrace some of that old fashioned pomp and circumstance, but then they're out there in the trenches and they're doing really good work. And I love that both you know, William and Harry served in the armed forces and then yeah. all of their um Although I charity. will say I was talking to Corey about this because he did yeah. some research on we were watching it together and he was Yeah. Um Prince Harry definitely did way more legit military service compared oh, yeah, to William. Totally. Like William. Way well more. because he's the spare, not the heir. Yeah. Like um, William kind of did like I don't want to say like the bare minimum, but he kind of was like all right. Yeah. But like Harry did like real you know, combat yeah. tours in yeah. Afghanistan, and he really, like, earned his place, and he wanted to keep going, and he was they kind of like, told no. that he couldn't keep doing it, and he's yeah. garnered a lot of respect, and yeah, I don't know, from talking to Corey about it, he was like, yeah, William's military service is not uh, what we would consider yeah. 
anything crazy, but, but Harry's kind again, of... Again, I think that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I just think also that all of the charities... So one of my favorite Instagrams is the Kensington Palace, which kind of like talks about all... Oh, yeah. It's their official Instagram and all of their um, charities. But I love that they're all working so hard for like you know, the wounded warriors and mental health awareness oh, yeah, and all the Invictus of that. Games, so that's a cool, cool stuff. Yeah. So I'm yeah, a big they've fan definitely of like that. monetized it. And yeah, I'm totally, I love the monarchy. I think it's a great way to like preserve history. And I read a lot of things that are like, you know, people are very critical of it, but I'm like, think about how much better I'm not saying America should go to a monarchy model similar yeah. to Britain. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm just like, as a thought experiment, just think about how much better our political discourse would be if you separated the like cult of personality and the history of the country from politicians like a lot of Mm -hmm. the pomp and circumstance and you know you're kind of the steward of history is placed on the Mm -hmm. president in this country and it takes them you know like in britain a lot of times they'll send the monarchy to do like you know what we would consider kind of like the fluffy stuff like yeah you know meeting with dignitaries or like cutting a ribbon at a hospital so that Theresa May can like actually do her run job. the country. Yeah. And there's a lot less like all over Europe, there's a lot less scrutiny on the personal lives of the politicians because they have the monarchy to kind of like fawn over in the tabloids. And I think it just mm-hmm. makes for a little bit more healthy discourse to kind of separate the two. It's an interesting yeah. thing to think about, like how yeah. much of the criticism of Donald Trump is based on his personal life and his personality versus mm-hmm. his policies. Um, and if you were able to separate those, how much of a better, more thoughtful discussion it would be. So I thought that was interesting. I agree. And I think it is really cool to look at a lot of, um, the modern monarchies in Europe and what these older monarchs, let's say, you know, Queen Elizabeth and Juan Carlos in Spain, um, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we think of them, though, as all, all of this kind of fluffy stuff that they do is really quite recent. It's within the last 50 years or so. And um, again, a big fa- fan of like the crown. And, you know, we forget that Elizabeth was doing really important work. And then in Spain, I think people don't realize that um, Franco directly turned the government over to Juan Carlos. And it was Juan Carlos's decision to first of all, make it a constitutional monarchy and to basically kick communism out of the country. And otherwise, Spain would still be a dictatorship for decades. So um, anyway, I think the history of modern monarchs is really interesting and everyone should check it out. Yeah, I do too. It's pretty interesting. Um, My hot topic is less exciting than that, but I wanted, I had been like hearing about this guy and he's like, been in the news and he was like just in the New York Times this week and I bought his book and I find it really great and I don't know if you know who this is do you know who Jordan Peterson is no okay well I will tell you it you can look it up I don't time. I don't know a lot of things so. that's fine so I first heard about him from one of my family members when we were like on vacation and he's a clinical psychologist he teaches at the University of Toronto he used to teach at Harvard and he had a clinical psychology practice for many years And Mm -hmm. he's Canadian, he's from Alberta, and he used to put all of his lectures, he's had a podcast for a number of years, he puts a lot of his lectures on YouTube, and he's been on the Joe Rogan podcast, that's how I first found out about him. Um, He's been on a number of times, and he's just a very, he has a very, like, plain-spoken way about communicating to people, and he's mainly focused on, he has a lot of work around the psychology of religion, which I find really interesting. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, like, 
why like vulnerable people tend to cling to religion and why religion is so important for history and why we can't it's it's important to kind of value certain hierarchies and certain like categories for things because you know with there's kind of a balance that humans have to have between order and chaos and if there's too much Mm -hmm. order you end up with like tyranny and if there's too much chaos it's like anarchy obviously Mm -hmm. so you have to kind of balance both and so you know in modern society it's really easy to be like well i'm an atheist but then you kind of have to unpack well how is your way of life shaped by the religion of the past and you know to kind of turn yourself off and be ignorant to all of that in western culture kind of does people a disservice that's kind of one thing that he studies he became really popular and it's why he's in the news now because canada they were passing a bill i don't know if they passed it i didn't really keep up on this but obviously this could never happen in america because of free speech and everything but it's interesting to look at like what canada is doing because they don't have the constraints that we have in the constitution but they passed a law or were trying to pass a law that said if any person whether you are in the government or not if you don't call someone by their preferred pronoun no matter mm. what it is or their given name you could go to jail that's kind of what it was in a nutshell um and he spoke out about this because he was like the the kind of language policing and he was like i would personally call you whatever the fuck you want Mm -hmm. but like for you to police the language between two people when the government's not involved is kind of too much Mm -hmm. you know and he got a lot of press for this and he's been called like a lot of different names and this is when i first started hearing about him when he was like in the news and i heard him on joe rogan and i just found it very interesting because i was like it was the first time And I still kind of feel this way. And there's a piece about him in the New York Times from this week, actually. That's the most recent one. And I just haven't. I obviously have not listened to everything he's ever said or read all of his books or anything. But I'm like, the interactions I've had, you know, listening to him on podcasts or listening to his lectures or reading his book, I have not seen the type of, like, bigotry, for lack of a better word, or the the type of you know, disdain that a lot of mainstream journalists have for him. And it just has really, like, boggled my mind. And I don't know what it is. And I don't know if it's sensationalism on the part of these journalists, like, trying to make a story when there isn't one, or if there's, like, something about him that I'm not getting. But anyways, I wanted to recommend his book. It's called 12 Rules for Life, The Antidote to Chaos. And it's kind of like a tongue-in-cheek. It's a psychology book about, you know, how people perceive happiness and how to kind of if you think that your life is very chaotic, kind of how to get out of that from a psychological perspective. And so it's kind of like half philosophy psychology book and half kind of like self-help book. Um, But it's a lot more like academic and not as like new agey as I'm trying to like make it out to be. But I I just find him like very accessible and very fascinating. And I think a lot Mm -hmm. of like young men have really become fans of his because he's very, um, I wouldn't say like anti-feminist, but he's very wary about kind of like tribalism and, kind of Mm -hmm. what we were talking about before like you know being too pro like if you're like i'm pro man or i'm pro woman like as soon as you say that you're negating a whole other like Mm -hmm. group of people and so he talks a lot about you know how words have meaning like being precise in your language which i love and it's just so interesting to me that he's been painted in the media as this like alt-right bigoted anti-feminist like you know Mm -hmm. person like he's been compared in the Canadian media to Hitler and Milo Yiannopoulos. And I'm just like, I don't see it. And now I see it like in the New York times and like the New Yorker has written pieces on him. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't get it. And I've really tried to, you know, do my own, 
take my own advice and do my own research and, you know, read his books, like the things that he's put out, like read, listen to his lectures. And I've been doing a lot of this the last couple of weeks. And I'm like, I just don't, I just see so much more good in this person than bad. And I have not seen any like positive articles about him. So anyways, I just find it fascinating. Yeah. Well, I think everything that you said is so interesting on uh, on many levels. Uh, first of all, I think it's great to note that you are the type of person that digs in and does their own research. But I think, you know, what's scary is that there are so many people who don't and just hear, oh, yeah, Mr. Peterson is Hitler, you know, and then that's the accepted. Yeah. And I don't want to say that everything he's definitely said some things that have like rubbed me the wrong way. I don't want to say like, yeah, he definitely has some like views that I don't agree with. But I think overall, if I had to like scale it, like he said more things that I find valuable or agree with than things I haven't. So I don't want to discount his work entirely. Um, Yeah. But I think this is is the problem when you're talking about particularly about language as a human rights issue. Yeah. there becomes very little space for dialogue and there becomes very little space for talking about why, you know, even if you support um, the ability of people to use whatever pronouns, for example, they want, why you might not support it as a bill in parliament. Right. Totally. Um, So I think that that's, yeah, that's really interesting and really really problematic, but it's just kind of why we all need to follow Maddie's example and dig in a little bit. Doesn't mean you have to agree or disagree with everything or anything anyone says. You just have to take it one step at a time. And I just find it really interesting. Like he's written like parts of his books are like, you know, why, um, you know, like religion is important. I'm not religious at all. And I have Mm -hmm. a real disdain for people who are like hyper religious And I Mm -hmm. have been, like, very elitist and judgmental about it. But after reading him, I was like, you know, there are reasons why humans are religious. And maybe I'm, you know, not understanding the reasons why it's, like, helpful for people to have religion and how it's shaped, you know, non-religious aspects of my life. And so that's just one example. He also has examples of, like, you know, ways that men and women are psychologically different, which no one wants to talk about. And it's considered anti-feminist to acknowledge that there are distinct differences between men and women, or it's considered, you know, not okay in the relation to like transgender people. And I just think if you shut down the conversation and you're just like, that person's transphobic, that person's a bigot. Yeah. You miss this like exploration of, you know, the rich tapestry of life. And it just is very unfortunate. And I've seen interviews with him where he's just gotten shouted down and mm-hmm. then the interview stops and it's like, all right, what did we get from that? Nothing. So, yeah, I don't know. Exactly. I just find it very interesting. I agree. I think that's all really good point. And it's something that's, again, so important for our generation where we want to be, you know, your constant. Again, this is kind of what we were talking about in our episode with uh, Jenny about and in relation to Francesca Ramsey and the call out versus the call in, you know, Right. Totally. It's not good to just scream at this man and say that his yeah. he has no value and that not only has he has no value, but he, there is an evil, something intrinsically evil about him yeah. just because he is expressing, you know, a non accepted yeah. view or because um, he has the nerve to talk to like his primary audience is like young men. Yeah. And if that's your primary target is like young, predominantly white, predominantly conservative men. Mm -hmm. and you're an academic 
it's not as valued in certain ways. And but as someone yeah. who's not a conservative white male, like I find mm-hmm. a lot of value in what he has to say too. But if I had just followed the dominant narrative of oh he's like an alt right whatever he's not speaking to you I wouldn't even have picked up the book and I wouldn't have learned these things or been exposed to an idea that now I feel confident like some of the things I read in his book I was like well I don't agree with that and I have real reasons to not agree with it but I had to go through that intellectual exercise that I wouldn't have had to if I was just like let me read another book about how great young white women are because I want to feel good about myself you know yeah exactly (laughs) Exactly. oh no Maddie it's okay I got a dust um excellent a dust. Yes. A dust. Well, this is great. Um, what a delightful conversation. This is great. I love Friendship Podcasts. They are some of my faves. Um, Me too. Do you have anything else before nope, we that's wrap it. up? Today? I'll tell producer okay. Jenny you say hello. I have to leave to go to the airport in an hour. Oh, my gosh. Well, get yourself ready. Please fly I will. safely. Thank uh, you. Let me know when you're there. Sorry, I guess we will can do. do this off air. <laughs> Goodbye, campers. We'll talk to you later. We have to talk yes. about Maddie's vacation now. Ciao. Bye. Thanks for listening. Camp Adulthood is hosted by Maddie Yergi, Resident Youth, and Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood. We are produced by Jenny Mayfield, and this episode was recorded in Maddie's living room. You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. You can email us hello at campadulthood.com, and you can visit us at campadulthood.com. Please also find on our website, there are links to our Patreon page where you can be a subscriber and there are many cool prizes. Thanks, campers. We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood.